Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano. It's really boring right now talking about the Eagles. And I guess this is what happens when you're not playing in the Super Bowl. How quickly I've forgotten that feeling last year. What a ride, right? You know, all the way up into this game. It was all football. So much stuff to talk about. And here we are. It feels like the season ended seven years ago. Um, Coaching staff is taking uh, shape. Yay. You know what I mean? Like, we could get psyched. We could talk about Doug Neusmeyer, who's going to be the new quarterback's coach. He comes over from, you know, previously being with Dallas and in the Chargers with uh, Kellen Moore. We could talk about Christian Parker, who's going to be the new defensive backs coach. Comes from uh, Denver. You know, he coached under Fangio in Denver. Uh, You know, this guy interviewed for defensive coordinator jobs. Joe Casper, former uh, Eagles defensive quality assistant who went to become the safeties coach for Miami last year. He's the safeties coach now. Bobby King comes over to be the linebackers coach from Tennessee. How the staff is taking place or shape here. It's, and it, it's a really good coaching staff. But at the, you know what I mean? Like we could talk about that stuff. And sure, there's things that you could highlight. And don't get me wrong, but it, it's one of those things where it's like, I know what fans really want to hear. And. They don't really want to know about if Doug Neusmeyer is good. like, yeah, you're going to hope he helps out. I mean, obviously, Alex Tanney is the quarterback's coach. Didn't see Jalen Hurts take a jump last season. So you could kind of point the finger there. And the Eagles have learned a lesson. And that lesson was, we're not going to do what we did with Carson Wentz, where we just stay, you know, on this path and hope it corrects itself. And no, we're going to bring a coach in with experience. We're going to get our quarterback back to the level we think he should play at. And by the way, spoiler, when I say that, I don't think Jalen Hurts needs to be fixed. I never have. I know that this narrative out there about Jalen Hurts exists where he took a step back this season. He did not. The offense was so simplistic, so archaic, so out of touch that there was nobody, and I mean this, nobody that was going to have success in this offense. It was impossible. The scheme was broken to literally like a degree you cannot even compromise. I mean, honest to God, I don't know why everybody is so worried about Jalen Hurts. I'm not one bit worried about him. I know the narrative. He got paid. Maybe he's a little, you know, standoff. Like, all these things. It was like, if you notice the, the pieces on Jalen Hurts this, you know, since this skid started, right? Since we started losing football games. Has become, you know, his stoic nature. Maybe it's not good. Or... He's just not connecting with the players or he's regressing, all of which are false. You know what I mean? Like people couldn't put their finger on why the Eagles went from 10 and one to a dumpster. I mean, to me, it was clear and obvious that their coaching staff fell apart. Defensively, they tried to incorporate a new scheme midway through the season, which was an absolute unmitigated disaster didn't help that their talent level on defense was an unmitigated disaster itself. But the offense, what happened to the offense? Well, it's like, really, what happened to the offense was, okay, you could point to maybe the final two and a half quarters of the 49ers game, sure. I I can't really point to the Dallas game so much. They turned the ball over three times, going in 
to score against the Cowboys. You know what I mean? They fumbled the ball. Jalen did, AJ did, and Devontae. But they moved the football. You know, uh, the Seattle game. I mean, Jalen was criminally under the weather. You know, Quez Watkins doesn't finish a play in the end zone, ends up being a turnover. Like, they turned the ball over in that game as well. Offense wasn't good. I'm not sitting here trying to sit like tell you it was, it wasn't. But against Arizona, that offense, like or against the Giants on Christmas, let's start there first. I thought they played offense rather well in that game. I thought they played offense extremely well against Arizona. They barely had the ball, and they scored 30-plus points. Now, again, I get it seven was from the defense, but regardless, they barely had the football. The offense just fell apart completely against the Giants in the season finale and Tampa Bay in the playoff game. It it was an unmitigated disaster. So this narrative came out that it was Jalen Hurts and he regressed. And I just keep pointing back. It was not. There was nothing in the middle of the field. The good thing about Kellen Moore coming here is this. If Kellen Moore is going to have the autonomy to run his scheme, which is the belief, it's going to be the Kellen Moore scheme. I mean... I want to fully believe that. And I part of me really does because Kellen Moore could have went somewhere else and become an offense coordinator. He was going to get an OC job. That's I don't even think that's debatable. Now the thing is, it seems to me the Eagles were kind of closing in on Cliff Kingsbury first. But the belief out there is and I've heard this reported, um uh, is that Kingsbury you know, I think he wanted more say then the Eagles were willing to give up. And I don't know what that means so much. Like if it's the coaching staff, well, Kellen Moore is bringing, it's his coaching staff. Like was Cliff Kingsbury going to fire Jeff Stoutland? I highly doubt that. So I can't see that being the holdup. My holdup would be like if he felt it was going to be his show maybe. And, and again, I don't know. That's That does literally give me the biggest concern that Sirianni is going to be sticking his nose into this offense and he needs to stay the F away because he should not be anywhere near a scheme of an offense. He could be a, a coach. He could absolutely coach. Like I, I have no problem with Kellen Moore relaying him. Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what I need you to help get so-and-so to do. So-and-so like be the head coach, coach Kellen Moore. Hey, this is game situation. This is what we got to do here. The big things. So again, that's really where this whole offseason is going to kind of trend to. I I do believe the Eagles are going to use more motion in their offense. I know that's been talked about. And I know Jalen Hurts might not be a particular a big fan of motion. Well, too bad. It, it's the way to win in the NFL. It creates a considerable advantage playing offense. You know, and it's not just motion, shifting. Shifting will undoubtedly happen. With this team, like I don't care if Jalen hates motion and he's puts his foot in the ground and for it doesn't matter. Motion it, it, shifting will happen. Kellen Moore has always had uh, shifting in his offense. That's going to happen, so it's going to look better. The middle of the field will be used more. Devontae Smith, I'm I'm so much looking forward to his season next year because I could see him being really used in a Keenan Allen esque role, and I could see AJ Brown being used in a Mike Williams esque role for like what the Chargers were going to do until Mike Williams got hurt, you know? Like with Dallas, look at Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. 
You know, that's kind of what I think this is going to like trend to for the Eagles. Now, I will say this. In the Kellen Moore offense, the third wide receiver is crucial. It is an important spot. Michael Gallup. I know Michael Gallup played outside and CD played the slot, but Michael Gallup had a big role in the Kellen Moore offense. You know, you can't really judge the Chargers thing because they were just riddled with injuries very early on. You know, Josh Palmer was going to have a big role. Quentin Johnson, they drafted to have a big role. It just didn't work out. So my belief will be that the Eagles are going to try to address the third wide receiver spot. And if I'm doing that, by the way, here's what I'm doing. First and foremost, you have two guys, well, one guy on the roster that you could still give a shot to, and that's Britton Covey. Yeah, they have Joseph Ngata, um, guys that they had on the team last year, sure. But I would say Britton Covey is a slot receiver. He could absolutely deserves a shot to see if he can get on the field as a slot receiver. I'm bringing back Alameda Zacchaeus, 100%. 100%. I don't envision that there's going to be a bidding war for Alameda Zacchaeus. You're going to be, a get, be able to get him on a cheap contract. I'm bringing him back. I think he contributes a lot more. He was a great blocker. He was a great teammate. He made some big plays. I know people are going to look back to that Giants game where he blasted Boston Scott on the fumble, whatever. That's the one bad play that guy really made all year outside of maybe a drop against Washington, I think, that I could recall on his minimal targets. But he made some big plays. I'm bringing him back. And then what I'm really doing is this. I don't think they're going to spend money in free agency at wide receiver because they have to spend money already on A.J. Brown for his contract. They're going to have to pay Devontae Smith on his. I would think the Eagles are looking to upgrade that position in the draft as a slot receiver. And it could be round two, three, four, or five. But I think that's where they're going to target to bring in, if it's not one, but two maybe receivers in the draft and try to have them compete for that spot. A name I keep hearing, Christian McCaffrey's brother, Luke McCaffrey. Watch for him. Really, watch for him. And you're going to hear more names. I mean, it's so early in the process. You know, I, I know they've met with Lad McConkey, the kid from Georgia. That could be a first-round pick. And I'm not ruling that out either. I just know that they need a third receiver in the Kellen Moore offense. And I'm promising you everybody this. If you're worried about Jalen Hurts, like I said, that's the overall theme of this. Don't be worried. Jalen Hurts is going to be just fine. He is going to have a major year next year. If Kellen Moore and the team, if Kellen Moore is given the autonomy to do what he wants to do and the team stays healthy on offense, Jalen Hurts is going to have a major year. Yes, I am concerned about Cam Jurgens as your center. If that's the case, I'm not ruling Jason Kelsey out. But then in tow, I'm very concerned about Cam Jurgens, the right guard, which to me would be an experiment I'm done with. I want to get a right guard in here. I know that they're going to address offense line in the draft. I guarantee it within those first three picks, 100% chance they draft an offense lineman. Probably somebody who could play right tackle because Jack Driscoll is a free agent. I'm assuming he'll get a contract from somebody. And, you know, you might like Fred Johnson as your left tackle. Maybe they try to get somebody who could be a swing tackle. I don't know what their plan is. But again, I'm not trying to... I hope they don't do it in the first round because to me, Lane Johnson isn't going anywhere yet. He might have two more years in him. You know, I'm not trying to pick a a guy in the first round that I'm only going to play for potentially three years or he'll be a safety net. You know what I mean? Like that, that to me, that's a wasting of a resource. Like you could do that the following season. But that's like literally the current state of the Eagles right now. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're in a time right now where nothing's happening because nothing could happen. Super Bowl hasn't been played yet. So once that ends, Sunday night, the Super Bowl, yeah, we're going headfirst into free agency. 
trades can start. Like, you know, trades could happen right now, technically. You know what I mean? I, I remember Stafford was traded before the Super Bowl, I think. So, yeah, trades could technically happen. They won't be finalized until the start of the league year. That's where it's at. I mean, the big news that dropped this week is that the Eagles are going to be playing their home opener in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Which is... <laughs> I mean, it's wild to me that this is now going to be the fifth consecutive season. Fifth. Fifth consecutive season that the Eagles do not play their first game at Lincoln Financial Field. Isn't that just bizarre to people? Like, I don't know how this isn't a bigger deal. In 2020, we opened up in Washington. Now it was the COVID year. Okay. 2021 was Sirianni's first year. We opened in Atlanta. Then in 2022, the Eagles opened with the Detroit Lions. That game was actually a pretty incredible game. And I remember the, the what was it, the thought process after that game was, wow, the Eagles just, they're not that good because, you know, Detroit almost beat them. Funny because at the end of that season, which, what, the 22, uh, 2022 season, we played in the Super Bowl. But Detroit was a team where you were like, yo, they are coming. Because that was the, what? They beat the Packers in their last game. You know what I mean? They kept Green Bay out. They just missed the playoffs. But they were like the Eagles in 2021 where you're like, okay, they showed a lot of promise. They finished the season even better than the Eagles did. And then obviously this year they played to go to the Super Bowl. It was kind of like the same thing. And then this season we opened in New England. So think about that. Your last four were Washington in 2020, um, Atlanta in 2021, Detroit in 22, uh, New England in 23, so Boston. And now in 24, you're going to Brazil. I, it's just wild, man. I, I, for the, I can't get over it. I think it's just criminal. It's criminal. And it's, it's also this. It's week one. You're not getting a buy in week two. Like, they're doing you a favor. It's on a Friday night. Woohoo. And that game is probably going to be about 6 o'clock on a Friday night because I, I believe Brazil's two hours ahead. They're not going to start the game at 9 o'clock there. I believe it would start around 8 o'clock. So my belief would be here in the East Coast, it'd be on at 6 on a Friday night. Against, my prediction, the Green Bay Packers. It is the one that makes the most sense. Sure, it could be Carolina, it could be Atlanta, it could be Pittsburgh. Won't be Jacksonville. They play international games. It's not going to be a division game unless the NFL really has a strict agenda against the Eagles. I'm going on record predicting it will be against the Green Bay Packers. But that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all the news on what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, we're going to start having a lot more coming in these coming weeks once the Super Bowl concludes, which will be this Sunday. Trades could happen right now. You know what I mean? You, that, that's the one thing that could happen is a trade. Um, again, you're not really hearing anything with trades. You know, last couple of years, you had all the quarterback trades. I'm not really hearing much. Trade could be, take place now. It won't be finalized till the beginning of the league year. You know, we got the combine coming, which you'll get a lot more intel on, you know, some prospects. Some guy, like, you know, like that's kind of where all the information's going to right now. But uh, free agency will be starting. League year will start, I believe, 
what is the start of the league year? I'm not even going to look because it, it, it's meaningless. I think it's the second week of March. So, you know, we're five weeks from free agency. And again, free agency is going to set a tone because the Eagles got to do a lot on defense. I mean, that's clear and obvious to everybody. They got to go and get some guys that can play defense. I think that's where the resources are going to be spent in regards to what this team's doing on defense. But that's pretty much it. I think what we'll do next week is we will start detailing who's likely to be back and who's likely not to be back. I like that too. Like that's where we're going to start breaking it down. We got to start getting into free agency. So we'll go over the offense and the defense, and we're going to detail who we predict will be back. Like again, I kind of gave a spoiler. I think Alameda Zacchaeus should be back. But I mean, we got DeAndre Swift, Boston Scott. I mean, the whole running back room with the exception of Kenny Gainwell. Like Rashad Penny's gone. Um, you know, Mariota. Is he back? Jack Driscoll. We talked about him. I think he's got like I guess I did the offense, right? But tight ends, you know, you got Stoll and Calcaterra and Alberto. Okay. Like Quez Watkins, we know is gonna go. So yeah, I guess we'll go over the defensive side of it because we did the offense. Like Mariota, I don't I don't know. My guess is that they kind of want to let Tanner McKee be the second quarterback. That's what I would do because it's cost-effective. I don't think that now what hurts his contract kind of kicking up a little bit more, that they want to be dumping about $5 million into the backup quarterback spot. You know, hey, develop Tanner McKee. He showed promise. I'm all in on that. I think you draft another quarterback in the late rounds here this year and uh, you let him play it out. That's exactly what I would do there. But what I'm going to do now is this. If you listen for the Eagles, thank you. You at this point, you can click it off. Because I am also a big nerd when it comes to pro wrestling. I'm a big pro wrestling guy. And I have a lot of pro wrestling buddies. And I think for a lot of people, pro wrestling has made major news the last couple weeks. One for an awful story involving Vince McMahon that I'm sure people have caught wind of. I I believe that's a national story. But again, I'm not going to get into that side. That's a disgusting side of pro wrestling. I want to talk about the fun side, which is, you know, WrestleMania, which, by the way, does play to the Eagles because it is being held at Lincoln Financial Field this year. Uh, This year, it's April 6th and 7th. I am going to be in attendance. And... What I want to talk about is what's went on in wrestling for the last, what, week? But really, what's been going on in wrestling for the last month? And again, anybody listen to this? I guarantee you all know who Dwayne The Rock Johnson is and the major part he's playing in this story currently. So The Rock came back. In the beginning of January. And again, we can go on a huge story here. And I could talk for seemingly an hour on this whole thing. Rock came back in January. He says he wants to be the head of the table. That is a direct shot at his cousin, who's the WWE champion, Roman Reigns. He wants his spot. Boom. We're full speed ahead. He didn't just say that. He is not one of those guys who tries to tease things and not deliver. That's not what he does. He comes on WWE television, says that for the first time, and he had appeared numerous times prior to this, finally says it, we're going Roman Reigns and The Rock. 
Cody Rhodes wins the Royal Rumble. This is the part of the story I don't understand because I think that obviously anybody who thinks that this is a pivot, what they're doing now, which we'll talk about in a second, I don't believe it's a pivot because him winning the Royal Rumble tells me they had a plan here. I, maybe it was Roman and Rock one night, Cody and Roman, the, the winner and the next night, if it's the Rock or Roman Reigns, whatever, which is stupid because CM Punk was going to challenge Seth Rollins for the world heavyweight title. So he got hurt. So I think that's where people thought maybe that the plan was Cody wins and Roman goes this way, whatever. All I know is this. Cody Rhodes main evented WrestleMania last year against Roman Reigns. You know? And that was Sami Zayn's year. Sami Zayn should have main evented WrestleMania last year against Roman Reigns. Sami Zayn is responsible for the bloodline being the story that it became in this company. They became the biggest story in pro wrestling because of Sami Zayn. Don't get me wrong. Roman, Jay, Jimmy Uso, they've done a fantastic job throughout, especially during the pandemic. You know, doing that story in front of monitors, making people care. But what made the bloodline explode was the insertion of Sami Zayn in May, what was it, of 2022? He was supposed to be in there for three weeks. It was supposed to be like a TV thing, a gimmick. And yet here he is. Turned it into a six-month story where the biggest pop they've had was when he put that chair in the back of Roman Reigns at the end of the Royal Rumble last year. The Royal Rumble in 2023. He he was done with them picking on his friend, whatever, whatever, and he sided with his friend over Roman Reigns, who he'd been earning for the appreciation of, right? It was so great. I My father was asking me about like Sammy said, he's like, oh, that guy's pretty good. Like, that's where this got to. There were people that never watched wrestling that were telling me, hey, Sammy Zayn, Sammy's like, his name was coming up. It was his turn. And they went with Cody Rhodes in the main event of WrestleMania. And I'm sorry. Like, that soured me on the Cody Rhodes story. I know he has nothing to do with it. It's not his call, obviously, but... It soured me. So he got the main event WrestleMania last year. Now I'm supposed to feel he's a martyr this year because he wasn't going to main event WrestleMania this year with the match he wanted, but he was going to still main event. You know, in canon, which is, you know, in story, like he won the Royal Rumble. He could simply just pick Seth Rollins to wrestle for the world title. But people had just made this infatuation. He has to wrestle Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns has the number one championship, although they're, they're literally equal titles one of which was defended 55 more times this year. Seth Rollins defended his title. He's like the best champion they got. But Roman has held his for 1,200 days and defended it 12 times. And good. I, and again, I get it. I'm, not, I'm just sitting here telling you, like, I, I never understood the idea that, like, and if Cody's worth his weight as a promo, like, he sells that match. Like, what I would have done simply was this. If you really want me, if you had given me the path here. Now, again, Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble. I wouldn't have known Seth Rollins was going to tear his triceps. Or Seth Rollins, CM Punk, I'm sorry. But let's just say whatever. I find out that Monday. Seth goes out there, cuts a promo, tells him about, hey, you could go after the Hollywood title or you could go after my title. And Seth Rollins wants this match because he wants to avenge the losses he had to Cody Rhodes when Cody came back to the company. Cool. Cool. Makes sense. Ton of sense. 
says he'll think about it. He goes to the Friday SmackDown. This is last Friday. He gives up his spot. Right? People lose their mind on Twitter, on X. They want Cody. Oh, it's lame. All these people. Oh, they can't believe it. I'm like, the the Rock is giving his time back to pro wrestling. This guy is worth $8 billion. He's arguably the most famous person on this planet. He does not need pro wrestling. I know people think because Black Adam wasn't a good movie that he needs pro wrestling. Well, you are a fool if you actually for a second believe The Rock is back here to rehab his image by joining pro wrestling again. Like, just seriously, get out of a basement if you believe that. But regardless, you know, if what I would have done was Seth Rollins is just being disrespected left and right. Oh, his title's the loser bracket title. That's a Roman. Like, all these shots he's taking on that Monday at Raw or at this press event, regardless, I would have had Seth Rollins literally just go full bore heel. Take out Cody Rhodes. Take him out. Beat him to a bloody pulp. And just... just eviscerate the fans because for the first time ever he was being like he the story of hey the fans you disrespected me I don't want to have any like this guy was living it he they were booing to his face when he would offer like he let me wrestle you and people are booing him he's a good guy you know he had everything all the ammunition I think there you sell that match he takes Cody Rhodes out now you've made people want to watch that match. And I think that would have that's what I would have done, and I would have went with Rock and Roman in a solo match at WrestleMania. Because like I said, this is the number one way for you to draw in new fans. Like I have friends, like literally, literally like so many people have reached out to me about pro wrestling this last week. Like there were a lot of eyeballs that were coming back to pro wrestling. And you had a chance to keep them there. And I thought this was the way to go. They chose to go a different route. Because tonight at this press conference, after he said he was going to step out of the main, he's back in. It's going to be Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns in the main event of night two of WrestleMania. And it looks like it's going to be The Rock, who's going to be a bad guy now. And he's going to join with Roman Reigns, you know, and they're going to do some bloodline story. And it looks like it's going to play out where The Rock and Roman Reigns are the main event of WrestleMania next year. And that, hey, that might end up being better. I'm not saying it won't. And they're going to wrestle Seth and Cody in a tag match, it looks like. Yay. I just think the ball was dropped here. They've turned Cody Rhodes into a martyr. You know, it's funny. It's like, (laughs) he formed AEW five years ago. Formed his own company. And all these people could have watched him there, and they did not. Like, I'm not sitting here saying AEW is a terrible rate. No, this isn't that. But it's like, where were you then? What, he left AEW and you got behind him then? That's weird. But where were these people when he was forming his own company that he left? Like, again, I like him. I'm not sitting here saying I don't like Cody Rhodes the person I think he's an like he's a great if you're picking the face of your company he's an excellent guy to pick because he's very clean cut you know he's not going to get in any stupid stuff he's not an idiot he's a good person overall 
He does want, want to be a baby. Like, that's the thing. Like, John Cena, they wanted to be good guys. In wrestling, it's a lot more fun to be the bad guy. But they want to be the good guys. But my goodness, this martyr story that they tried to tell with him, they tried to get him, and again, hey, it has gotten him over more, I guess. But at the same time, to me, it, it could play a negative now because you teased, to me, it, to a lot of people, a dream match and took it away. And you're hoping that everybody piggybacks on it and it's just, it's a slippery slope. And for him, if he finishes this story that they're telling, the finish the story thing, yada, 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 the tough part for him is going to be the first night after WrestleMania, that Monday Night Raw, when his story's finished. What's next? Do people lose interest? Is he starting to get booed? Because now people are going to realize, you know what, I just realized this guy wins every time. He's been in this company two years, and he's only lost one time. He's won two Royal Rumbles. You know what I mean? Like, he has been the most pushed guy ever. Like, they're trying to compare this to Daniel Bryan. It's like, they're not even remotely close. You know, you're trying to compare, to me, the CM Punk, the Summer of Punk in, in 2011, fits this. Like, they, they took elements of both of those to try to create this guy to make him an even bigger star. And so far, I believe it's working, but again, at the same time, it's like, and trust me, The Rock being against him, The Rock will help him. But, hey, pro wrestling. That's where we're at. I don't like it. Like I said, I think that they, they missed a golden opportunity here to make Seth Rollins a diabolical guy. He can win that title, finish his story, and then if he really wants to go after the world, like, he can do that too. I mean, he could have just saved his shot and called it for, hey, like to me, it's like his father won. The Cody Rhodes story is this finish the story thing, if you're hearing it. Like, what's he talking about? Well, his father won the world title, and then it was taken away from him. Like, he didn't win. He thought he won it. It was handed to him, but it was taken right off, so he never really won the world title. And it happened to Madison Square Garden. He mentions Madison Square Garden all the time. So to me, it's like I would have had him. They're, they're going into a deal with Netflix Starting in January. They always do a Christmas show at Madison Square Garden. It's untelevised. I would have said, screw it. We're going to make our first show on Netflix uh, resonate from Madison Square Garden. And Cody Rhodes is going to win the world title at that show. That, to me, is storytelling. That's finishing the story. Turns out it looks like he's going to... Again, I, I think they want to have Reigns pass Hogan's record. I know people don't think that's a bit... like it, Clearly, they're setting records here. He, he's had the world title the, the third longest ever. So, again, I guess he's... But I don't see any way now, after all this, that he's going to lose. I will say this, though. For the first time in a long time, it's captivating stuff, but I'm thinking, hey, if you wanted casual fans to watch WrestleMania, a tag match with Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns and The Rock is not going to draw them in like The Rock versus Roman Reigns for the world title. We will talk more about pro wrestling going up. Like I said, it, there's just not a lot going on with the Eagles. While we get in a free agency, it'll be, you know, and, and we're going to start talking about other stuff. We'll talk about the NBA, you know, Major League Baseball is coming back. Golf, you know, hey, Tiger Woods. I'm a big Tiger Woods guy. He's about to play a tournament in two weeks. So a lot to go over here. I want everybody out there to stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated. Oh, and by the way, with this whole rock thing too, just remember this. They did this event today in Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena. 
for anybody who thinks that The Rock was inserting himself into this match because or into WrestleMania because Brock Lesnar was out and CM Punk got hurt, they booked T-Mobile Arena about a month ago. They didn't just book a 10,000 or 15,000 seat arena a month ago for a press event because they thought you know The Rock wasn't going to be involved. Just let that be known. To anybody who thinks this is a pivot or they, they changed the story because the fans got on Twitter and, and yelled, that's not what happened. You are puppets. You are playing into their little puppet. This has been a well-orchestrated story, I guess, in a way, if you think it is. Hey, it's drawing interest. I'm talking about it. So clearly it is working somewhat. But these are puppeteers right now. Like, they are just pulling the strings. Ah. <sighs> But that, that's where we're at with the world of pro wrestling. Uh, again, I just, I'm, as a fan, going to WrestleMania, going to, I was looking forward to seeing The Rock and Roman Reigns, and I'm bummed out it's not happening. Yeah, you get to see The Rock, cool. You know, I was there in the Royal Rumble in 2015 when The Rock held Roman Reigns' hand up when he won the Royal Rumble, and the place blew, booed the piss out of freaking Roman Reigns. And it looks like we're going to the Rock and Roman Reigns again. Teaming up. And I'm sure the dissension will start, whatever that their plan is, but long game. <laughs> Want everybody out there to stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated. And as always, go Eagles, go. 